Hey, are you looking to buy a new car? Are you stuck in a high-rate loan and looking to refinance? Well, UK Federal Credit Union can help. Right now, UK Federal Credit Union has auto loan rates as low as 2.99% APR. Apply for an auto loan online at UKFCU.org or in person at the dealership. Get your dream car today at UK Federal Credit Union. UK Federal Credit Union. It's banking only better. Annual percentage rate, member qualification supply, rate of subject credit approval, subject change. For full disclosure, visit UKFCU.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome in to episode 94 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today we're going back-to-back with Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. We recorded an episode yesterday breaking down uh, our time at the Made Hoops Midwest Mania event in Indianapolis. We recorded that with uh, KSR Zach Gagan, and we're going back-to-back with our one and only Sean Smith to discuss all the other fun stuff and uh, things going on in the world of UK athletics. So Sean, welcome back. How the heck are you? Yeah. Thanks for the invite to Indianapolis. <laughs> I, I did. I asked. I know. You oh, actually, you did. We did talk about that, but I, I couldn't get up there. Uh, enjoyed your coverage over the weekend though. thought it was fantastic. thought it was really cool to see, See, at least you back on the uh, recruiting front and stuff. That That's nice, right? After not getting to do that since, what, maybe 20 months or longer? Something maybe. like that. Yeah, it was absurd. And it felt – it just. we talked about this on, the, on yesterday's show. It felt normal again because the crowd – I mean, it was packed from top to bottom. Uh, there were big-name scouts there. J- uh, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN, you know, the number one draft scout uh, analyst was there. And – uh, you know, all the big national media guys. It was it was just a lot of fun to kind of be back in that element, be back in that groove of things, and and just see some high-quality basketball, good matchups, Imani Bates versus uh, Jalen Durant, some up-and-coming kids that, that Kentucky's interested in and that we'll end up, be, we'll end up talking about someday, uh, you know, probably in the very near future with offers and those sorts of things. So, yeah, plenty, plenty of things to talk about there. If you missed that episode, go back just one day on the Sources Say feed and you will find that there. Uh, plenty of good stuff there. But Sean, this was um, probably one of the most difficult, uh, most chaotic. I, I mean, I don't even know some of the other adjectives to describe it as. The last five to six days have been probably just just a flat-out week, have been one of the most chaotic weeks and crazy weeks of my life, got to be totally honest. Um, Obviously, things started early last week. We recorded uh, a podcast where we basically hinted at what is kind of coming down the pike. We talked about uh, Orlando Antigua kind of not so subtly being the next assistant coach at Kentucky. Uh, we not so subtly hinted at Chin Coleman, his uh, assistant counterpart at Illinois, potentially joining him. We talked about, you know, when we talked about Adam Miller said, that's going to be something to keep a close eye on if 
something else happens in these next couple days, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, basically alluding to if, you know, Chin Coleman was his lead recruiter at Illinois. And if he decides to join Kentucky, uh, the, the Kentucky coaching staff, there's already mutual interest between Kentucky and Adam Miller, uh, you know, kind of put two and two together. It's kind of hard to see how UK wouldn't jump into the thick of things. So we, uh, we hinted at a lot of things that obviously came true. Joel Justice ended up taking the assistant coaching job at Arizona State. We'll get into that. Tony Barbie took the head coaching job at Central Michigan. Great for him. Congratulations to him. Uh, we hinted at that. Uh, so we were kind of in the process of gearing up for a pretty solid kind of a, not a pat ourselves on the back podcast, but kind of a, okay, this info's finally out. Now we can get into the ins and outs of the specifics of it. Let's, you know, we're, we were kind of excited about getting into the ins and outs of it. Uh, and then uh, our kind of world came crashing down on Thursday afternoon with the news of Terrence Clark uh, tragically passing away in a car accident. Um, I've been kind of struggling to come up with the right words to say and how to go about doing this. Obviously, we weren't going to record any podcast in the in the day or two or three or four uh, after the fact because it's such a uh, touchy subject. Obviously, the attention's not supposed to be on us right now. It needs to be on Terrence, his family, his loved ones, the people that that really matter in all of this. Um, but now that the dust has kind of settled, um, it really still hasn't hit me that it's an actual real thing. But I just figured we would start this show as a as a tribute to you know kind of how that day unfolded and. Uh, use this as kind of a, a short tribute to start the show with, you know, kind of who Terrence was as a person, uh, the, just his bright future, what we were all looking forward to, uh, we, you know, watching him grow as a basketball player and those sorts of things. So, Sean, I was actually out at dinner with Katie. I, we were about to watch the the women's basket or the women's volleyball game match uh, in the final four. And I got a text that said, basically, this isn't a joke. Has anybody heard about Terrence? And I was like, nope, can't say I've heard anything. And they said, I heard that he was in LA and a car wreck and he didn't make it. And it's like my, it was, it was kind of a thing where I read the text message and it didn't register in my brain that this was an, an actual thing. And I read it out loud to Katie, who's my wife, if you guys don't know. I, I read it out loud to her. She was sitting in front of me, and I said, Katie, I think, I think Terrence Clark just passed away. And the look on her face, she kind of, like, her eyes started swelling up with tears, and, and she, like, her jaw dropped. And it was just like, oh my God, th this might be a real thing. So I, I ran out the door and, uh, you know, we, she, she paid the bill. I ran out the door and I started making phone calls and, um, you know, I tried calling you, Sean, you were at a baseball game. I tried, uh, I, I called Travis Graff who, who, you know, you has been on this show. You guys know him very well. And, uh, you know, he heard the same thing and I called Sky Clark's dad. They have obviously connections out in LA and I didn't know if he had heard anything. And, and, uh, and just kind of one by one, my heart kept getting more and more broken by the phone call because every single person that I call said, yep, heard the same thing. I think it's a thing. I think this is a done deal. I think this is a, this, I think this happened. 
And uh, what, what's so crazy is I was on the phone with Jalen Green's dad earlier in the day talking to him about uh, some other things. I was actually gathering quotes for a, a piece I was going to run on Joel Justice and, and kind of the impact that he made at, at Kentucky leading up to his departure. And, uh, you know, because he was always – Jalen Green's dad was always very high on, on Joel Justice and said – uh, you know, that they loved him and appreciated him, what he brought to the table as a recruiter and, and those sorts of things. And in that conversation, we talked extensively about Terrence and how his year went and, you know, how he has such a bright future and all those sorts of things. And literally within hours, he was gone. Like w within two hours, he was gone. And he actually called me right afterward. And he was like, bro, tell me that this isn't the truth. Tell me this isn't a real thing. And, uh, and I mean, it was just one of the most emotional, I mean, my heart just shattered in a million pieces that night. And it just felt like every update that we were getting, uh, you know, you were hoping that at some point it wasn't going to be real, that somebody was going to say, whoa, 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 call it off. It's not, you know, he's, he's not gone. It was just a, a misreport. Nothing actually happened. You, everybody, it's like, you kept hoping that you were going to receive good news and that, all this, this nightmare that we were living through, you know, that you were going to wake up, that it was, that reality was going to set in, that it, that it wasn't a real thing. And that day never came. And it was something that I still haven't gotten over. Um, when you're covering these kids and you talk to their parents and you talk to their coaches and you talk to them, you know, I remember the first time I ever talked to him at an EYBL event. It's actually, Sean, I believe it was the first time I ever met you. Yeah. um at uh that eybl event in 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 atlanta so you know it's just one of those things that you develop such close connections and and it's it's bigger than just watching them on a basket on in a basketball game on on tv it's you know these this is two three years in the making of you know developing these relationships and talking to their family and and those close to them and it's just like you don't know what to do when this day comes because you never envision that it actually comes. So I, I've, obviously that was my long spiel. It's still kind of difficult to talk about, but it's a, obviously it's been a, a very difficult last couple of days, Sean. Yeah, it was, it's been awful. Like every day you wake up, you're, you're like, was, you know, was that a real thing? Did this really happen? And with each tribute that comes out, uh, the one that UK posted yesterday, and it had the clip of of him lifting Olivier Sar's head up at the end of the Notre Dame game, and it just it killed me. And I, you called me Thursday night. Uh, we were planning to do an episode of Sources Say to talk about the Antigua stuff, the Chin Coleman stuff, because it was to the point uh, you and I had been following closely the the Joel Justice news that day of Arizona State, and I talked to you early that morning. We'd planned to record an episode, and I had two missed calls from you. And I'm thinking, okay, he's trying to to reach me to get something figured out about sources say. And then when I answer the phone, it's not that wasn't what it was. And it I it's one of those things I told somebody over the weekend that when when Kobe Bryant passed away, it was one of those things where it felt like the world the world stopped. Mm -hmm. Everything stopped that day. All over the all over the world. And you'll never forget how you felt and where you were that day. I'm not comparing Terrence Clark to Kobe Bryant's death. I'm not trying to compare it, but just the way that 
you don't expect you, you, you never expect things like that to happen but you look at these kids like they're superman mm-hmm. i mean you're, you're looking at terrence clark a 19 year old young man that has got his entire life ahead of him uh, a guy jack that we've covered on the recruiting trail and you mentioned you and i met that weekend and i i went back and looked at those interviews i had them on my phone still yep me too and, you know there's me and you with terrence there's me and you with bj boston and they're they're young kids there. I mean, they're high school kids. And when you're seeing them on that day, you're thinking 15 years from now, man, we're going to be talking about two solid careers here. Mm -hmm. Two years later, one of them's gone. And the other one has experienced what I think, hopefully nothing worse. That's the worst day of his life. As he loses his best friend, finishes a workout, runs up on it. And then I'm walking into um, an open gym for my team at three o'clock that day. And Terrence's mom has gone live on Instagram and I follow her on Instagram. So I get the notification and I knew the moment she was going live, I knew what it was. It was, she, she doesn't go live unless it's something about her boys. Yeah. And I'm watching this workout for about five minutes before we start open gym and there's Terrence and BJ working out. By the time I left the gym, he was dead. And it just, that has never been able to sink in with me. I'm like, how, how fragile this life really is that you can be doing these things that you're love, that you love. You can, you're working to prepare yourself to get better. And it, it, in that moment, nothing matters, Jack. Basketball doesn't matter. All these things that we stress about and we, it doesn't matter because that's how fast things can hit you. And it's, it's hit me hard too, just because I keep thinking back to that. And I, I, I sent a message out to all my parents and stuff over the weekend. Uh, I didn't do any open gym. Friday we had one scheduled and I was like you know I'd probably the only way to honor Terrence was probably to get in the gym but it just felt like that everything just needed to pause that day so I sent a message out to all my parents that to the kids that play for me and I was just like be sure to tell my kids that coach said that he loves them this weekend just because yeah. you just never know Jack like I've I've looked at it since Thursday morning I've changed my entire outlook on how that I look at things like I'm one that stresses out about everything you know me Ever since that news Thursday night, how could you not want to live every single moment of this life telling people that you love them? Yeah. And making the most of it because that we don't know what the next hour holds for any of us. Yeah. But, it, but it's, it's killed me, Jack, because here's a kid who came to Kentucky. He never got to see the best at Kentucky. Yep. I mean, the fans, the fans were brutal this year, a, a large portion. I mean, obviously it was a, it was a bad season. I mean, nine and 16, Terrence Clark played like seven or eight games. Uh, Fans got frustrated at one point wondering why he wasn't playing uh, with the team's struggles and everything. But I've seen a lot of people over the last four days that have changed their tone a lot to why are we so hard on these kids? I agree. They're, they're kids. And we're not turning this into a, you know, a, a thing like that, yeah, but we're just sure. talking about that. I, I think now if there's anything that comes from this, when it comes to, to how we view this is, I mean, we can, I mean, we criticize and we're hard and we kind of demand and we say these things in the moment when we're talking about these athletes and stuff, but man, there, there it's, if we just take a step back, there's so much, there's so much more beyond the athlete and beyond the athlete of Terrence Clark was a five-star human being. And damn it, it's not supposed to be this way. We're not supposed to be sitting here 
talking about John Calipari losing Ben Jordan. We're not supposed to be sitting here talking about John Calipari on a flight to LA to be with the family of a young man that just lost his life. That, that's not, damn it. That's not how it's supposed to be. Right. And that's, and that's what this has been for UK athletics now for, it feels like a year from, from Schlarman to Colin Brown to Marco Shimwell two years ago. It's, it's been nothing but even Josh just, Pascal who fought cancer and made it through and is now back on the field. But still, do you remember that day? Do you remember that day when Stoops came in there and told us both of them, both John Schlarman and Josh Pascal said both of them had, had been dealing with cancer and how the room was just like, what the hell? Like we're supposed to be talking about football and how the excitement of the season coming up. And we, Kept, we thank God we kept one of them, but you know we lost we lost Schlarman, lost uh, uh, you know Ben Jordan, and obviously just most recently with with this. I mean, goodness. But this is uh, this is something, Jack. That you you don't ever. I mean, obviously we know as journalists, at some point we were going to cover something like this. At yeah. some point, if we if we're on this job for forty years, there's going to be those days that we look back on that were dark because tragedy strikes when you least expect it. It's what's called tragedy. Yeah. And this, this was a tragedy. He signed with an agency on Wednesday and he was gone by Thursday. I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to wrap my mind around that. Like just, this was a kid that was supposed to have it all ahead of him. You know, we, we talked about it for the last year on this podcast that sure there, you know, there were, uh, there were some maturity things there, mm-hmm. you know, obviously and John Calipari felt like Jack, that that's why he wanted Terrence Clark. Yeah. He wanted to mold him into what he was supposed to be. But it's, it's been touching though, to see the tributes that have come out for him from the NBA to the college basketball world, to high school basketball, to people. I've, I've ran into people the last few days that don't even follow basketball but they heard the name Terrence Clark Terrence Clark was from his through his high school years Jack you know the there was he was such a large name yeah in the basketball world and I'm hoping that the NBA draft does something here in a few months hopefully the Boston Celtics honestly they they do something uh to honor to honor him and, and his family and you know I've I've gone back and the picture that his kindergarten teacher shared of him with, with the butterfly and stuff, uh, you you see that and you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to cry anymore. And then you see that picture and you start crying and I wake up the next day and there'll be these other little things. And then John Calipari's letter that he wrote, it, it was so raw and you could, I mean, it was so raw because there were, there were mistakes in it. You know, you, you look yeah. and you read some things and it didn't matter. Like if, if there were one or two words left out or a word was spelled wrong, who cared? You got the meaning of the message, but that showed how raw that was in that moment. That was an emotional cow fighting was. tears, putting words on paper. It, it was. It, and and the, the moment when he said, you know, you know, that I wish it were me instead of him. Yeah. I, I've had, I've had a good run. Lost it. And then the messages where he thought about reaching out to, to, to Fletcher and to, to ask you and to all those guys, it just, 
I think it, you always, when stuff like this happens, you always look at yourself and you look at situations. And I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we, we got to know Terrence Clark. We got to know the family, but there are people that are hurting far worse than what we are today. But we take this thing and we look at our own lives when something like this happens and you instantly think, why do I put things off? Yeah. Like, you know, I told you that night, I sent you a message. I was like, I love you. I appreciate you. Why does it take something like that for us to say those things to people? And then here in two or three months, Jack, you know what's going to happen? It's all, we're just going to, it's just going to rub off and we're going to, we're not going to forget, but we're going to get complacent again in our lives yeah. thinking that it's, and, and that's the one thing that I'm, I'm making damn sure that I don't do. Yeah. Whether it's four days removed or it's four years removed. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure the people in my life know that I love them. And the people that I don't know that I run into, I want them to, I, I want to just, just breathe happiness into people, man. Yeah. Enjoy. Like I'm, this life is too damn short to not enjoy every single moment of it. And that, that's my one takeaway from such an awful tragedy is that you enjoy every single moment, tell every single person that you love. Don't, if you can't tell them you love them too much. It's damn true. Yeah, I'll, we'll we'll end it with this. I this past weekend, I his old AAU team, uh, Expressions Elite. They're you know from Boston. They've been they they've had Terrence since they were in the, since he was in the seventh grade. And I I was with David Sisk uh, of of Cats Illustrated, and uh, you know we I talked to him beforehand. I was like, man, how do you want to? Like I, I feel like it would be in the long term we need to get some quotes from their coach. It's the, the Todd Quarles. He's the founder of that, of that program. Uh, he's also the head coach. I was like, man, I know he's devastated, and I know that this is probably not the right time. But I'm like, damn it. I feel like at the end of the day, he's going to want his raw emotions and feelings on paper to look back on and go, man, I'm so damn glad, glad that I put Terrence in a positive spotlight and I, I told the world how important Terrence was to our lives and what he meant to this program, what he meant to the city of Boston and all that. So, so I, you know, I asked David, I was like, you know, we can tread as lightly as we want. We can ask, we can say, you tell us what you're comfortable with doing and we'll, we'll just go from there. We'll play it off you. We don't want to push. We don't want, this is not for clicks. This isn't, you know, we just want, we want to do something that if it if this gets back to Terrence's mom, if it gets back to Terrence's you know brother, sister, loved ones, cousins, best friends, you know though that that there's some sort of a tribute and some something that these people that love him can look back on and read and go, wow, Terrence meant this much to our program and meant this much to the city of Boston. So we went up and talked to him before. So before every game this weekend. Uh, the Expressions Elite program, they put, they submitted the roster. They added Terrence Clark as an honorary member of the team for the the entire weekend. They played four or five games. Every single game, Terrence Clark was on the roster. And before tip-off, before every single game, they lined up, had a, a full minute of, of a moment of silence, and they both teams had put their fives up in the air in, in honor of, of Terrence Clark. And that was people in the stands, people, you know, opposing teams, uh, opposing coaches, media members, everybody stood up, put their, put their fives up in honor of Terrence. And I thought it was just a, such a touching gesture. Um, so 
after the first game on Saturday morning, we went up and we asked, uh, we went went up and asked Coach Corals if you know when would be an appropriate time to talk, what he would be comfortable talking about, those sorts of things. And he said, uh, "We're playing another game at eleven. The, the first game was at nine a.m. The second game was at eleven. And he said, uh, "I'm playing back to back. I would love to talk to you guys and and put Terrence in a positive spotlight and make sure you guys know." Uh, you know, let the world know how much he meant to this program. But these kids are inconsolable right now. They, he, he said that uh, on Thursday afternoon, we were 60 people deep. We had the bus, the bus loaded up, bags packed, ready to go. We were ready to leave in an hour and a half when we got the phone call. And it was a 15-hour bus ride that they had to drive 15 hours and basically – mourn the loss of their brother and their friend and their mentor and their teammate and he was like I want to talk about all those things but if I talk about it right now I'm going to be in a, a, an emotional wreck and I can't let my kids see me emotional right now they need me to be strong so I will talk to you as soon as the second game's over when our day is done but until then just just give me a minute and I was yeah. like oh man like I, I need to be strong for my team. I need to be strong for my for my kids because I'm I'm an emotional wreck right now. They can't see me like this. So after that game ended, we went up and talked to him, and he gave. I mean, he said he said he was our hero. He was the city of Boston's hero, and said I mean so many just gut wrenching, just ripped my heart out of my chest quotes. And and he and afterward, you know, we talked and we were like, dude, you did not have to do that. We. You know, he talked for, I mean, he, he just kept going and going and going. And it was like something, it was like something hit him. And he was like, Terrence was our world. He was a role model to all of us. He was a celebrity in, in, our, in town. He was a, a mentor. He never didn't have enough time for these kids. He always wanted to make time for these kids and, and always came back and talked to them. And if they needed to, to talk to, to someone or they needed a, a mentor or somebody to lean on or a coach to, you know, some, some advice on how to play and those sorts of things. He answered every single phone call, every single time they needed him inside the facility, he was there and let them know that they were loved and that they were appreciated. And, and he said, just Terrence, it just, he never didn't make the time. He was always there for this program when they needed it. Yeah. And he was like, that, that there are 60 of us here at this, event right now we loaded up that bus we drove that 15 hours we cried together we you know we were inconsolable together but damn it we're here and we're playing in his honor and it was just like oh gosh this just wrecked me and and we can all honor terrence clark whether you play basketball whether you don't play basketball i mean we've we've seen terrence clark written on shoes we've seen his name his number written on shoes we've seen the fives being held up but the thing that happened this year, Jack, is Kentucky fans didn't get to – Terrence Clark didn't get to meet the number of Big Blue Nation that he normally would have in a normal year. Obviously, there there would be a signing tour and stuff for these guys that have gone on to the draft. There would have been 20,000 fans at Rupp Arena after every game. There would have been the people waiting outside of the Wildcat Coal Lodge after Big Blue Madness, blue-white game there would have been more interaction with fans. So fans didn't really get to love on Terrence Clark the right. way that it was supposed to be, or any of these guys for that matter. But whether you met him, 
or you didn't. Let's say you're a Kentucky fan living in Florida who's never met Terrence Clark. You can still honor him. You know how you honor Terrence Clark? You live your life the way that Terrence Clark lived his life. You know how he lived his life? With joy, with a smile on his face. And breathing joy into every single person he met, the way he cheered for his teammates. That's how you honor Terrence Clark's memory, is live every single day of your life the way that you got to see Terrence Clark for those four to five months that he was on a UK bench. Find joy in everything, even the struggles, because that's what Terrence Clark did. That's how you honor his memory. Davion Mance, I thought, put it perfectly. He said, we all wondered why he was so happy all the time, even at his worst moments. I mean, this is a kid that played six games to start the season, seven games to start the season, had a, a you know bad break with an injury, with, with an ankle injury, missed the entire – basically the entirety of, of his – lone season at Kentucky uh the the team was not good they desperately needed him you know he was a, he's a shot creator he's a uh you know a slasher he's a finisher he's the you know one of the probably the one guy on the team that could beat somebody off the dribble and make a play at the rim like he was he was the the missing piece you know the, the, it had this team had several missing pieces but he was one of the team's biggest missing pieces they desperately needed him and he knew that and he let it be clear that he was emotional and he was upset about it. But every single game he was on that sideline cheering his ass off. He was screaming and yelling and, and celebrating with his team. And I mean, you think about that Dante Allen moment when he went off when he erupted in Starkville and he said, I've never been, you know, that they showed that video of them celebrating in the locker room. And he said, I've never been more proud of somebody in my life than I am of you. Dante said that to him one-on-one, face-to-face after Dante Allen's biggest game of his life. It's just like, man, this is a kid that was so selfless, or so, so selfless, had, you know, so much joy, so much care for other people in his life. And like you said, Cal brought him in. He had, he had some maturity issues. You talk to people, you know, around every basketball program he's been a part of. You talk to parents. You talk to friends. You talk to other people. They said Terrence had one hell of an ego. He was – Terrence Clark was a fan of Terrence Clark. He knew that he was a damn good basketball player and was going to be making millions of dollars playing basketball one day. And there was some, you know, some maturity issues. And I think Cal knew that going into it. Uh, you know, I've talked to people that were in recruiting meetings with other prospects that Cal talked about Terrence Clark and said, man, there's this kid that we're bringing in Terrence. You know, he, he's a little rough around the edges. He has some stuff that he's, you know, he's working through in terms of, you know, maturity and, and those sorts of things. But he's like, damn it, if this kid, if this kid can realize how good he can be and puts that professional approach forward and, and just, just, uh, you know, gives it his all to take it to that next level, this kid is going to be an NBA superstar. He is going to be a true superstar at the NBA level. I genuinely think that Calipari saw Terrence Clark as his baby, as his as his, like you said, his mold, his piece of clay. He's like, man, if I can just work with him and, and mold him and, and, and help him realize how good he can be, both on and off the floor with, you know, maturity, with his just on-court talent, with his production, this kid can be a special, special, special player. And it shatters my heart that we'll never be able to see that. We know that he was a, a superstar at the high school level. He made some jaw-dropping plays in the middle, you know, small time that we saw him at Kentucky, but 
it's it's a damn shame that we'll never get to see what he can be at the next level. And I, I think that's kind of the thing that you just had so much life to live, so much basketball to play, so many more lives to touch and to, you know, joy to give to this world that we won't be able to see. And it just, it, it, it's, it's just crushing. Um, we'll try to brighten the mood a little bit and, uh, and talk some other Kentucky basketball. We, you know, if, as a program, how do you move on? How do you take that next step? with hiring two assistants you you lost two in Joel Justice and Tony Barbie they have two more to, pieces to add last night they officially posted two job postings for the you know assistant coaching jobs at, at Kentucky so they're obviously taking that next step in that direction and you know life lives on they got to do something and and you know keep keep moving forward so the latest with the assistant coaching search Sean Orlando Antigua is penciled in as the guy UK and, and Illinois have been kind of in a rock fight the last several days you know obviously before the the tragedy and then I guess more recently he's he's on the beach in the Dominican Republic so I don't know really how much there is to you know negotiate while you're yeah dipping daiquiris on on the beach but there's that, a period there too where you can't hire right once yeah. that job is posted seven-day like process seven day process so you're not going to get anything official now and it went, when did it officially go up? Was it uh, last night? Uh, last night, yeah. So okay. seven days, May 4th, 3rd. May 3rd is the final okay. posting day. And for comparison's sake, last year, uh, Jay Lucas, they posted his special assistant to the head coach slash recruiting coordinator job um, on August. I had the post pulled up. But it was like a – posted it on August 20th. He finalized a deal with Kentucky on August 23rd or 24th, and then they officially announced him on August 31st. So it was a true seven-day process. It actually might have been like 10 days from the time they posted the job to when it was officially announced by UK that he was joining the staff. It was The deal was finalized and agreed upon uh, just a couple days later, which is something that we could very well hear uh, on the Orlando and Antigua front here. But – we probably won't get an official announcement from UK, uh, you know, until pro- probably a week from now. So now that the name is out there, both names are, are out there with, with Orlando Antigua and, and Jay, Lu- and not Jay Lucas, uh, Chin Col- Coleman, what do you think of the possibility of adding Orlando Antigua again? And just kind of what he brings to the table as a, as an assistant and what he meant to the program, his first run and kind of how desperately the program needs him now. I think the biggest thing from this is was Orlando Antigua the biggest reason Kentucky went to, to three final fours during his time there? No, he wasn't. But we said this, I think on our last episode that getting him back, there's no KP on that bench now. I mean, there, there's, he's not there. Uh, John Robick is in a completely different position than he was during those final four runs. You needed to bring someone back who knows John Calipari at his best, who's not afraid to tell John Calipari or disagree with him. I, I go back to Antigua's time in Lexington the first time, Jack, and there are multiple times if you go back and watch games, him and Cal get into it a little bit. Not, not really into it, but Cal gets mad at him. Accountability, yes. You, you don't see that with other guys. Like, you've not seen him get, you know, back and forth. I think he has some guys now that have known him for so long 
in not not just a player role. You know, Tony Barbie played for Cal. I think that there's a little bit difference there when you're Bruiser Flint, who you've seen Bruiser Flint go at it with coaches on the bench. You seen when he, when he was uh, in Indiana and stuff with with Archie. You, you saw that. You you know Bruiser's going to tell Cal, look, I think we should do it this way, or I recommend this. I think you're going to get that in Antigua. Uh, I think getting those guys around Cal, I think, is a big deal because I don't think that Orlando's ever going to sugarcoat things. Right. He knows Cal at his best. He's not seen Cal at his worst. Like, he's not been here. Like, whatever, you know, the last – this this year, 9-16, and 16, was by far the worst. Yeah, the NIT year. But I think that's the biggest deal with getting Antigua back. You're getting a guy who's going to build relationships on the recruiting trail. Obviously, the recruiting approach is going to change. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the way it was in those first five years. You're not – I mean, it's – the John Walls and stuff, those guys are going to be targeted by the G League. So now what do you do? Is it you approach this thing with the high school route early in the process? Because obviously you have a second. We always know there's that spring recruiting period. Well, now you have like a – it's like a third recruiting thing because now you got the transfer portal. So who becomes the, the specialist in that? Is it Antigua? I think you're going to see assistants kind of leading a lot. You know, Cal's going to initially do the stuff with the high school recruits, but I think the assistants are going to primarily take that, Jack. But I think – I fully expect when it comes to transfer portal, that's John Calipari's time. I fully expect John Calipari to be so ingrained in that part of the recruiting that he'll be leading the charge like we're seeing him do right now this spring. Is that that is the mode where Cal's like, all right, we've got this wrapped up. Let's go in here and let's go in for the kill. And let's try to land these guys and let me lead the charge. But having Antigua back on staff, that's a big deal because you have someone who has been tied to the success that you've had in your program and who knows what it's supposed to look like. And he's going to be able to come in and say, all right, this isn't what we used to do. We didn't do this. And if Cal has slacked off any, as he's gotten older, Antigua's going to be like, look, this wasn't who you were in 2012. Yeah. This wasn't who you were in 2014. I think that's the biggest deal. And then Chin, obviously, um, I like that one too. Just because I really, when you look at the where he's come from, he he started at a level that I coach. Yeah, middle school basketball, like eighth grade basketball yeah. and stuff. You see it. He has very good connections to the grassroots and to the EYBL circuit and and everything. So I think that's a big deal too. You you know people. The more you know, I think the better it's going to be for you. Yeah, yeah. I think that before getting jumping back into the Coach O thing. Coach Chin is a guy that the average fan has no idea who he is. But those in basketball, I spent this this past weekend talking to a lot of basketball minds that, that have been around the game forever. And they're like, oh, Coach Chin. Yeah, he's the guy. He is, he's the guy. He's a guy that knows. He, he's, he's the person that knows somebody who knows somebody. He is a, a big connections guy. Um, also very big in the city of, of Chicago, which, you know, there's, that is such a hotbed of talent, you know, especially in recent years, you know, Anthony Davis is from Chicago, you know, Derek Rose, there's, you go down the list, there's plenty of homegrown talent in Chicago that needs to be at places like Kentucky. And Chin Coleman is a guy that, that will help 
bring those players to Kentucky. Um, just very well-respected guy that has been in the game for a long time at all different levels. You know, sometimes you get a guy that starts at, you know, one level and he kind of stays there. He has seen, like you said, all the way down to middle school basketball to pure grassroots AAU. He, he gets the AAU scene. He understands the grassroots scene. He knows how, you know, the EYBL works and how all that works. And, and, you know, he's been at the college level. He's been at low majors. He's been at mid majors. He's been at high majors. And he's, you know, kind of been at the top of the top just this past year as a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and, and, you know, consensus top 10 program, top five team all season long. And now, headed to Kentucky. He has been at all these stops. He has seen so much basketball. His resume doesn't really jump off the table at you as, you know, from a, a, a an average fan standpoint. But those that know the game of basketball know that he has seen a lot, he's done a lot, and he is he has made a lot of connections from his, his time starting to now. Uh, and I trust those opinions that I've talked to and the people that that know him and and know his recruiting philosophies and and all that they are all in on this hire they think that he is he is the guy for Kentucky so I'm I'm certainly not going to disagree with that and I trust Cal's judgment to bring that piece in shifting back to coach O I I wrote a an article about this on KSR but I I get the sense that Cal trusted Joel Justice and I mean, and Tony Bart, I mean, his whole recruiting staff, but I don't get the sense that he ever compl- had complete full trust in his staff this past season to make decisions on their own and to kind of say, this is our guy. I want, let me, you know, let me have him. Let me go all in on this kid. Let me offer him. Let me do all that. There wasn't the free reign that I think guys like coach O in the past have had guys like coach Kenny Payne has had in the past I think when Kenny Payne left last offseason Cal lost his last trusted confidant Bruiser Flint is you know a best friend of his but like you like you mentioned Antigua and Kenny Payne are they hold him accountable they are guys that he trusts that he's been around for a long time that at his peak at Cal's greatest success they have been there for so there's a there's a trust factor that comes with that that when it's lost, like when Coach O left and like when most recently when KP left, that I think Cal kind of got territorial with, well, I, I'm going to make the final call on these offers. I'm going to make the final call on accepting commitments, pushing for commitments, evaluating talent. You know, he might trust uh, Joel or Tony Barbie or a, or a bruiser to evaluate a 17-year-old, but he's not going to accept a commitment from a 17 year old unless he's seen him with his own two eyes. He's, you know, been there in person. I just, I just get the sense that there was a little frustration on both side of things that Joel say like a guy like Sky Clark, Sky Clark was ready to commit to Kentucky two years ago. He was a diehard Kentucky fan. His family loved him. And Joel justice worked his ass off to make sure he was ready to commit, that he was, he did his job, evaluated him early, knew that he was going to be a top 10 ish talent said, you know, this is, this is going to be a guy that UK is going to need in the future, recruited his ass off for him, got him in position to where he was ready to commit before he even had an offer. He was basically to the point where he was going to commit on the spot when he got that offer, whether, you know, no matter what he was all in on Kentucky and Cal 
dragged his feet on offering a scholarship, said he wasn't ready to yet, said that he wanted to see him in person more. And every time I, you know, I mean, I, I've had conversations with Joel in the past and every time it was kind of like balls, not in my court anymore. You know, I was like, why, you know, why are you not offering sky? Why is that not a thing? Why are you not going all in with him? He's like, balls, not in my court, you know, the balls that that's, that's out of my, that's above my pay grade now. That's, you know, it was always little things like that where it was like, Hmm, kind of get the sense that Joel wants free reign to, you know, he, he, Joel trusts his basketball knowledge and his ability to go evaluate these kids, offer them a scholarship. And when the time comes, you know, obviously it needs to be approved. And, you know, by coach Cal, it's a, it's a big move to bring in a star point guard as, you know, your guy. But I think Joel, uh, Joel trusted his ability to recruit a guy like a guy like Sky Clark and Cal didn't sign off on it until like, you know, I think it was last year, May ish is when Sky was ready to ready to join. Didn't have an offer on the table. Contact was able to begin June first, twenty twenty, with with rising juniors. Uh, contact was made, but no offer was made, and I think there was some frustration on Sky's side, where it's like, dude, why are you not offering me a scholarship? I want to be here. He finally offered a scholarship in July. And I think it kind of, yeah, like, yeah, it was a big moment for them, but I think it almost kind of ruffled some feathers where it was like, oh, so, so now you're ready for me. Now you want me to join. And he ended up not committing on, you know, until October ish. And people were like, oh, this kid was so ready to commit. He was, you know, diehard Kentucky fan. He wanted to be here so bad, but when he finally got that offer, he didn't commit. But I thought, I thought there was some, uh, you know the burn the bridge wasn't burned per se but it kind of rough ruffled some feathers it was like okay you didn't trust my ability a month ago but now you just randomly you know you haven't seen me in person since then what's the difference you're just going to randomly start trusting my ability now I don't know I, I just got that sense that there was just some there were there were just some trust issues on the recruiting side of things that led to Joel wanting a job like the one that he got at Arizona state, where I think Bobby Hurley is going to give him free reign to offer who he wants to evaluate who he wants, trust his judgment. If it comes time to accept commitments, push for commitments to take them. Uh, I think that's a good, great fit fit for him. He's going to be able to prove that he is the guy that, you know, the, the top recruiting guy that he thinks he is that the, basketball world thinks he is and I think Cal now gets a guy back that he can trust to make those calls that he doesn't have to look put in the extra work like you said he's gonna be able to focus on the transfer portal and guys like that while he can give Orlando Antigua full free reign to go evaluate who he wants to scout who he wants to offer scholarships to who he wants and and take less off of take more off of Cal's plate and kind of spread out the love a little bit more uh, and make everybody's lives easier on campus. I, I think it's a very rare win-win situation for Cal and Joel Justice. I, I, yeah. I truly do think it's a, it's a win for both sides. Yeah, and two, it's when you, when you pair Orlando Antigua with a young guy like Jay Lucas too, I think that your recruiting is going to be just fine. I, I really do. And then you've got Bruiser Flint there on staff who – is uh, going to be – it's Cal's right-hand man, I mean, right now, when it comes to, to everything. you got a young guy in Jay. you got Antigua, Chin. I, I, I like what Cal is doing with the staff. I think anytime you go 9-16, and 16, it requires change. 
But there were some things happening before the 9-16 and 16 season, I think, that you already kind of just got into that were kind of getting to this point. Would it have happened if Kentucky wouldn't have gone 9-16? and 16? Probably not. Yeah. It might have happened a year or so from now at some point naturally, but if anything comes out of a bad year, I think it, it was Cal realized, hey, look, something has got to give. Something's got to change. And I always thought, too, when, when Orlando left South Florida that it I always – wondered you know why didn't he just why didn't this kind of get done sooner you know getting back to UK and stuff but he ventured out was successful as an assistant in Illinois obviously that program was the number one seed this year one of the best teams in the country and uh coming back to Kentucky uh, as we all expect it's a big it's a big big deal and uh, Orlando Antigua the assistant pretty elite level assistant compared to you know I noticed his head coaching experience and his tenure there at South Florida didn't work out, didn't end well. But as far as what you're getting as an assistant coach, top notch. Big time, big time get for John Calipari when this gets done. Especially in player development. I think that's something that, you know, look at a guy like Kofi Coburn and even Adam Miller this past year and and you know, just a guy that a guy that these kids can talk to right now. You yeah. lost that in Kenny Payne. And I think you I think you had you had it in Joel, but I I still feel like Coach O, he, look, look at the guys that he's talked to, you know, over the years at UK. I mean, we've, we've heard the stories and things like that. You saw him on the, on the feature that they put together uh, after the national championship. I think it was the 2013 team that fall where uh, ESPN come in and did that all-access thing. Antigua was the guy outside of Cal that was getting all the FaceTime. Yeah. And the TV time talking about the program and he yeah. just has that confidence about him that I think that, and that swagger that's kind of been missing when you look at that bench. I mean, Kenny Payne had a quiet swagger about him though. Like yeah. his, his reputation is what got, you know, Kenny Payne, all the love his reputation. And it didn't come early in his time at Kentucky Jack. It started coming late, like 2016, 17, 18, when all the KP praise. Yeah. And Teague was a guy with this swag you just look at him. He's confident, and I think that that, if you can see that on your bench and your head coach and in your assistants, I think that that's when Kentucky basketball was cool. Yeah. And maybe getting back to that is, is a big deal for John Calipari in this program. Last week, I think Tuesday or Wednesday, when, it, when the wheels were turning, headed this direction, um, I started doing some pre-writing stuff and getting articles ready, um, and I was – I'm preparing this feature featuring old quotes from past UK players on, you know, what Orlando Antigua's impact was with the program, what he meant to them and, and those sorts of things. And, and some of the quotes were like, you want a guy that will hold you accountable for your actions and what you do on the practice court. And he said, uh, I can't remember. It was maybe Willie Cauley Stein or Julius Randall. One of some one of those guys said the UK was down at halftime, and Orlando Antigua. They saw him run into the into the locker room, and they were like, "Oh crap! He's gonna be he's gonna be waiting for us." And he's gonna. They walk in. They walk into the locker room, and they said that he just went guns a-blazing, just let it loose, on all, just a loose cannon, just went nuts on all of them. And he was like, man, that – you just – you always knew that if you weren't playing up to your standard as a player and you weren't giving it your all, 
that Coach O was going to be the first person in there to say, you're not doing your job as a Kentucky basketball player. You need to step your game up. And I think that on top of what Coach Cal brings to the table, you know, this past season, everybody complained about Cal and, you know, how he just, he just screamed on the sideline nonstop, just go, 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 swing. You know, he – I feel like Coach – he was missing that complimentary piece on the sideline with him to be the, you know, the, the good cop, bad cop. When Cal was, was ready to praise, he needed somebody on the bench to be like, all right, yeah, you did good, but you need to keep doing better. Or when Cal was ripping a, a player, a new one, they needed somebody on that sideline to say, keep your chin up. You got this, keep it rolling. You know, I think, that that is what you know on top of the recruiting and on top of the swag factor that coach o is going to bring back i just do get that sense that that accountability guy for not just coach cal as, as you know as a, as a shoulder to lean on a you know somebody to bounce ideas off of somebody on the sideline with him to be that that perfect counterpart that complimentary piece that won't be afraid to step up and, and to disagree with Cal and to, to say, no, you're, this isn't the right call, Cal. You're, you, know, you need to do this instead. Somebody that's going to hold not only the players accountable but Coach Cal accountable as well. I think it's just it's a move that needed to happen. I, you know, the, I still kind of get the sense like, man, I, I wish Joel stuck around. I was a big fan of Joel. I thought he did a great job. I, you know, I, I talked I, to him over the weekend. Uh, for a moment, he he's super excited about that opportunity. I know it's not confirmed yet. UK is not going to put anything out with quotes until Arizona State puts out something. But I talked to him for a few minutes Saturday, just exchanged a couple messages, and he was talking about you know he's excited. I think it's I think it'll be a good move for him. Yeah, I mean, I, but I'm, I'm with you. I you and I both liked Joel. Yeah, the way that we could talk to Joel and things. Uh, Joel was a really good dude. I'm I'm pulling for him. I hope he does very well out there and. At some point, he will get a head coaching job somewhere, and I think I think he'll be successful. Still young, super young. Go out there and be a top assistant for a few years. Never know what happens, man. Don't know where he lands. He this is going to be his opportunity to prove that I I was right. I was right all along. I you know you can trust me to make you know talent to evaluate talent. You can trust me to offer these kids. You, you can trust me to bring players into this program you know, w- without needing to watch over my shoulder after every move. I feel like I just got the sense that there was a little a little bit of babysitting still because Cal understands the magnitude of this program. And, yeah, he took a chance on bringing a guy like Joel on, and Joel was UK's lead recruiter. He was. It, it, you know, I know when Jay was brought in, it was kind of a 1A, 1B type thing. But Joel, Joel Justice was still the number one recruiter at Kentucky – at his age with, you know, minimal assistant experience, it was his first gig as a, you know, this, this was his first shot as an assistant anywhere, you know, as a true full-time recruiting assistant. So I, I'm sure there was that sense, especially when he lost, you know, when he lost Kenny Payne and, and that Cal was like, man, do I really trust him as, as a number one recruiter? Maybe as a number two or definitely number three, you trust him, but do you trust him to be your guy? And I just never got the sense that he was ready to go all in yet. Maybe one day. I, I, I think there's still a ton of mutual respect for both of them. Uh, that was one thing that every single time you talk to Joel, 
there was like a, you got to trust the hall of famer here. You got to trust the hall of famer here. Every, he said hall of fame to me in, in reference to coach Cal a hundred times, every yeah. single time you talk to him, you know, about how bad the season was going and you know, like, Hey man, I, I would reach out. How do I stop being such a negative Nancy and try to put a positive spotlight on these kids? How can I stop going on my podcast every day and say, Oh, this team sucks again. How, you know, it's, this is impossible to watch, blah, blah, blah. It was always a trust the, trust, trust the hall of fame coach. He's the, he's, there's no one better in the game. We're struggling right now. Just do your best to put a positive spotlight on these kids, but trust the hall of fame coach. My, and I even reference this might be a two year plan that, yeah, because of the circumstances, this wasn't a, uh, an easy go of it in the one year. But if you think of, this is a two-year process with the Jacob Toppins of the world, with the, uh, you know, some of the ret- Lance Wares of the world, some of the returning pieces that are coming back. If you think of it in that sense, it's it, it becomes more of a okay, it, this pill was easier to swallow, and and that was always something you got from Joel is just a, yes, things suck right now. We understand things suck. We are all hurting right now. This this season is not fun at all, but you just trust the program it's it, it it hasn't lost its touch its magic touch it's the, the one season's not make or break for the future of Kentucky basketball we're going to be fine and it was it was always just just refreshing to hear that because there I, I just I truly do think that there was mutual respect between both parties I think you know there's some people that are like why why is Cal not given such a, a heartfelt message about that the same way that he gave Tony Barbie, that's going to come. He's going to say it's coming. He's going to say very good things about Joel Justice. There's great mutual respect there. It's just one of those things that Joel, are you? If you were in Joel's shoes, are you going to accept going from the number one recruiting option at Kentucky to the you know number three? Are you going to take a demotion to bring you know he he's looking for positive forward steps in his career. This was a people might look at it just from a program to program basis as a lateral move or even a step back or a demotion. He sees this as a promotion because this is going to allow him to be the top dog. He's going to have full reign. He's going to have complete trust. He's going to be able to do his thing while coach Cal has his trusted confidant back in the program. Like I said, it's it, this was a move that was best for both parties breaks my heart i in an ideal world he joel does come back and he's your third recruiter your second recruiter and you have antigua uh jay lucas and joel justice on the recruiting trail which i think would be a deadly trio but it sometimes that's that isn't what you know it's easy to say that on kentucky's side of things but that's might not be what joel wants on his side of things this will end up being a net positive at the end of the day for both sides and i I think it it will be and we'll see joel again on the EYBL circuit and things like that, when everything kicks up normal, we'll, we'll run into Joel and everything. And he he was just talking, I think I talked to him Saturday um, and just, you know, told him best of luck out there. I I saw that he changed, you know, his Twitter stuff to to Arizona state and everything. And he just talked about how excited he is. And I, I think he'll do well there. I think it's a good opportunity for him to continue climbing the ladder and, uh, he'll be very successful out there. He'll, He'll recruit, get some big name players, no doubt. He he's really good at building our relationships. But uh, this this is all business. I mean, you got to look at it. I mean, Kentucky obviously significantly better program than Arizona State. But when it comes down to what's better for your career, it's the same thing that comes down to 
players and making their decisions. And while somebody might commit somewhere over Kentucky, maybe they felt like it's a better fit or they can maybe uh, grow there better than they can somewhere else. And it's the same thing on the coaching staff. These guys are all trying to put uh, food on the table for their families. They're trying to climb the ladder, especially assistants. All assistant, young assistants have aspirations of being a head coach. That's just that's just how it is. And yep. I think Joel is working his way to that point. At some point in the next five, six years, I think Joel will have a head coaching position somewhere in college basketball. I think this this is the move. This is the 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 last stop before he's a head coach. I do. Yeah. I, I think And it gives him that it gives him that connection now to the West Coast. You know, he he was an East Coast guy. That's where he grew up. That's where he played and stuff. And now, you know, going from high school experience to UK to now the West Coast, you're just you broaden everything. You just paint that brush and everything. And now he's got all these connections, and he's going to be able to. Um, in the college basketball world, I think connections is a big thing. You know, you get out there and get familiar with that part of the country, recruit that part of the country. Uh, not sure how many times they'll be going head to head with Kentucky on targets. I don't know how, I mean, with Arizona state, I know it's a completely different geographical area. A lot of West coast kids, things like that. I'm sure you will see some Arizona state and Kentucky's on some list, but uh, we'll be seeing Joel justice quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, obviously congrats to Tony Barbie. This is a move that uh, actually last summer uh, talking to Joel, I said, you know, I, I think it was right around the time, the head coaching stuff was coming out with, you know, uh, UNC Wilmington and, and, you know, some of the, he was kind of rumored as a potential option for some of those. And I said, uh, uh Oh, looks like this might be your last year before you take a head coaching job next summer. And uh, he said something to the effect of, I mean, yeah, that, that, you know, that's the ultimate goal. I'd like to be a head coach one day soon, but he was like, the guy you need to keep a close eye on is Tony. Tony Barbie is, is on the prowl. He, he's, he's itching to get back into the head coaching ranks. And by God, I mean, he, UK moved him over to associate to the head coach uh, back in September, uh, officially Cal officially announced it in October, but they, that was a move that happened back in September. And then it's it, like, it felt like all year long, he was kind of grooming under Cal learning, trying to do, you know, kind of, take some last steps before taking another head coaching job. He's been wanting to take a head coaching job from the minute he, uh, especially over the last year or two, you know, I think he wanted to just get back in the coaching ranks at Kentucky when he took this assistant job and, and, uh, you know, he had fun with it, get back, getting back on the recruiting trail. He did some good things on the recruiting trail, but I, I, I do think that all along he, he always wanted to be back in the head coaching ranks. He did not want to be an assistant too much longer. And this was, this was always going to be a one-year transition for him, no matter what. When when he got that associate to the head coach tag, it was a "This is my last year at Kentucky. I'm going to find a head coaching job," and I'm glad he did. I'm I'm proud of him. That's that's a good move for him. Um, all right, we'll uh, close out the show with a couple notes on you know player decisions, draft decisions, and and you know some of the transfer portal rumblings. Um, I kind of wanted to start with some. Uh, We'll we'll do draft slash transfer rumblings. Two notes that I will say on Isaiah Jackson and um, Keon Brooks, two things that I heard over the weekend. Um, I actually heard back on Friday, uh, right after all this news broke uh, with with Terrence and all that, that um, Isaiah Jackson was planning on signing with an agent. And that was a 
done deal. Um, I, I believe it was supposed to happen on Thursday, actually. I don't know what the aftermath of that entails. I don't know if that changes things. I don't know, you know, if, if he wants to go back to the drawing board or, you know, after going through what he did. Um, but I will say that the plan before all of this was for him to sign with an agent and that news was supposed to happen um, imminently, not, not long after that. The, fan, the, the program was expecting his official departure uh, in a celebratory fashion. They were ready to celebrate and, and send him off to the NBA. They've, he, he's heard great things during the draft, pro, draft process, and uh, it was inevitable. It, it always felt inevitable that he would – that teams would fall in love with him during this process, and that's exactly what happened. And it's unfortunate that he – you know, that kind of pushed back his – celebration of of doing that so i would anticipate hearing that news uh at some point i don't know when they're going to be ready to announce it i don't know maybe if things the last week changed things but the original plan was for him to to go pro uh, and then i will note with keon brooks uh, i talked to one of the top guys in indiana uh, recruiting that knows it more than anybody in fact when i when Bruiser Flint was hired at Kentucky, or there was rumors that he was finalizing a deal with Kentucky, I reached out to the Indiana program and said, hey, I'm looking for some quotes on Bruiser Flint about what he meant to the program. Who can I reach out to? And they said, this guy, without a doubt. And he's not even associated with the program. He's just a recruiting guy. Uh, they said, "There's without a doubt, he's, he's your guy. He's your answer. Um, there's nobody more connected and, and more familiar with this program than him. He's, he's the person you reach out to. So I thought that was very telling that the, the Indiana program has that much faith in him. So obviously there's the rumors that Keon Brooks is, uh, is thinking about transferring, and Indiana has been a perceived option for him. And I talked to him this past weekend. I was like, you know, what are you, what's your gut? Where are you leaning with Keon? I know there are some rumors about, about a transfer, and, and uh, you know, Indiana has been one of those rumored options because of his connection with Trace Jackson Davis and, and uh, you know, those sorts of things, hometown kid, that, th those things. And he said, uh, yeah, I genuinely get the sense that he's coming back, um, said that it's not a done deal. I, you know, I'm not – I'm not officially predicting. I'm just saying that's just my gut right now. Uh, said that I've, I've talked to Keon's parents and his sense, his exact uh, words were when Keon's parents said, when Keon signed on the dotted line, he want, they wanted this to be a lifelong decision. They didn't want it to be a short term, you know, when the going gets tough, whenever, you know, the seasons get tough. He goes through injuries whenever the transfer portal becomes like the hottest, latest and greatest thing that you change your mind. They said, when you make a decision of this magnitude, you stick with your decision. And that's kind of where Keon's parents are leaning. There were times that, uh, you know, both uh, specifically his mom, you know, kind of interested in the idea of, of maybe a fresh start somewhere else. Uh, but I think that has kind of died down a little bit since then. And uh, in terms of Indiana, they were, he was like, people talk about Indiana just because it's the, you know, it's that was the second choice in his recruitment. There's the connection with his friends playing there. It's a hometown school, yada, yada. But he said, I, I just don't get the, the sense from anywhere around the program. Coaches I've talked to, um, you know, the players I've talked to, the parents I've talked to, there's no, there's no real buzz that he's going to end up back at Indiana. And if he's not at Indiana, where the heck, 
else is he going to go? You know, so I, I do get the sense that he might still flirt with the NBA process and just kind of get some good feedback on what he needs to work on. But um, after what was it uh, two weeks ago, we we'd kind of both heard that a transfer was likely if, you know, possible, if not likely at that point, uh, I do get the sense that he is now definitely leaning toward coming back. Yeah. And I, I was told from someone Thursday, you know, right before the news came out about Terrence Clark, that, that Keon was kind of leaning, you know, Kentucky, unless he gets recruited over. But I'll also say this too, as we, wrap, as we wrap up, Jack, uh, I think going through what these guys went through this weekend, losing Terrence, you're talking Lance Ware, Jacob Toppin, you know, uh, Keon Brooks, those guys that are there. I just think it's going to come down to, and not saying that this is the deciding factor, but I think after you go through something like that together, I don't think you want to leave one another. Yeah. And I, Dante, Keon, as close as those guys are, I could see – that kind of just being like, you know, I, I want to be at Kentucky. I want to be here for my guys. I want to be with my guys. When you go through something like that, they, they need one another. And I think that that could, you know, not saying that that's the main reason, but I, I could see that that also making it even more so that he stays at Kentucky or comes back for a junior year because you, you want to be with your guys, especially when you go through hard times. Yeah. I The only one that I'm still not – 100% certain on is Davion Mintz. Um, I know he was absolutely devastated um, after the news. He, he was there at the memorial service for Terrence, and, you know, he was about as devastated as anybody there. He was just, a, you know, crying his eyes out. It's just really an emotional, powerful speech that he gave and those sorts of things. I, I still kind of get the sense that he's – leaning toward the the pro route but but you know you just don't you just don't know what something like this does to somebody you know like you don't like you said if I were in his shoes and I were leaning toward going pro and you know considering the options considering you know I'm going to be 24 years old by the time I play this next college this next season whether I'm in the the pros or or college I'm gonna be 24 years old my professional clock is you know, it's already pushed back as it is. I mean, it's a, it's a drastic decision. And, and, you know, you think of Terrence's situation, you want to provide for your family and all that. Thank God he signed on the dotted line. Uh, you know, I, I, I think his family is going to be owed, owed some money. And, and it, at least that side of things is, is something to consider as well. You know, you just don't know what goes, what different factors goes through a player's mind in something like this. Do you go, I need to be able to provide for my family. I, I need to sign a contract sooner so I can, uh, you, you know, make sure that my family is set for life, no matter what happens with me, or do I want to go back and run this back with my teammates who are broken with me that, that, uh, you know, how do you, how do you navigate through something like that? So I, I'm, I'm more comfortable with the Isaiah Jackson and, and Keon Brooks situations, but Davion Mintz is one that, I think this just added a whole new variable to his his decision, and and I'm not quite sure where he's going to be leaning. I, my gut tells me still pro, but I, I don't think that uh, anything is a done deal yet. I think that I think that things it, 
if anything, it made this decision all, all the more challenging. I know you just watched me make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, didn't you? I did. It was, it was kind of tough to be uh, emotional and, and heartfelt and thoughtful as I'm watching you lick a knife with peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just realized I was like, Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make lunch. Cause I gotta go somewhere as soon as this is over. So as we're wrapping up this, I just started making my PB and J right in the middle of the podcast. Never, you never fail to bring uh, light to dark situations, Sean. That's a really good looking sandwich too. I'll make you one sometime. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, Next road trip. We're already hard pressed for time. We're already pushing, you know, our 10 minutes or so. So we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, but I assume like, obviously last week kind of just went, went all to hell. We, you know, we talked about as soon as news breaks, we're going to post all these podcasts and updates as they're, as they're happening. And when things like that happen, you just kind of take a step back and putting out a, an update, a 30 minute episode isn't, important in the slightest at that point so we're gonna get ramp back ramp things back up get back in the groove of things as news breaks if news breaks this week whether it be with player decisions transfer decisions we're gonna get episodes out as as soon as the news happens and and uh, the day of so we'll we'll uh, get, get back in the groove of things and and looking forward to it as well and live up to our promises i know we've made a lot of false promises on this show with <laughs> how many podcasts we're going to do when we're going to do them hey if anything we've, but, we've upped the amount of podcasts oh heck yeah like this this feed just keeps growing when it comes to the number of podcasts and just wait just wait until normal recruiting weekends return and we're sitting somewhere and the eybl all those podcasts coming out because we know that we're looking forward to that possibly maybe something in a couple of weeks we'll see yeah yeah absolutely and uh on that note, I did hear this past weekend from different recruiting guys that the EYBL is going to be starting. They're going to have a peach jam. They're going to have actual full EYBL events starting in June, maybe. It's kind of what, as soon as the live period begins again, they're, they're, wait, they're leaning toward June. So be on the lookout for that news because we will be there. We will be uh, upfront and personal. We'll be hooping and hollering and talking to the coaches and the sources and, will be there saying what we do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right in the thick of things. Uh, that's the reason why we started the show. We started the show because we wanted to be up in that stuff and, and go to these events and all that. And it felt like over the last year we had that ripped away from us, but it's ramping back up. We got to do it this past weekend in Indianapolis at the, uh, at the made hoops event. It was a fantastic time and it's only going to get, busier and better from here so sean i appreciate you coming on i know we spent 30 minutes talking about some hard stuff and uh, not, talking about that is never easy so i appreciate you kind of putting it all out there and letting me vent to you as well i know it's that that stuff's not easy so love you and i appreciate you i appreciate you and i love you as well thankful for our listeners and uh, we got some good stuff coming here as soon as some news breaks developments happen we will be sure we get things out there to you absolutely. and maybe i'll make another pb and j sandwich in the, middle <laughs> of the podcast quietly absolutely uh where can fans find your work you can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on twitter at gbb country you'll find me on twitter at jack pilgrim ksr reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentucky sports radio.com with that we'll be back in a couple days hopefully 
whenever news breaks with another Jam Packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you.